welcome to another episode of the Ganas podcast. I believe this is episode number 19, but I've honestly forgotten at this point. But today we have on an excellent person that I know. Sam, Sam, welcome on. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you having me here, man. Yeah, of course. And then I have to ask, too, how many is this your first first podcast? Have you done multiple before or how's that work? Um, this is probably the most formal one I've done. My a buddy of mine runs like just a little podcast, doesn't really promote it or anything. And he's had me on twice there. But I guess outside of my existing network, this is the first time going on one. I see. So it was good prep until you made it to the big leagues. Exactly. Exactly. Moving on um, up. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool how I got to meet you. One thing I really enjoy about the fitness industry, which I was telling you about was you just get to meet people from all over the internet. And so we were take I was taking a mentorship that you were helping uh, kind of move along and things like that with blog posts and, and writing and even just education through it. And so that was a really uh, transformative period for me in terms of my training and just, you know, I, I read more books now about mindset and things like that. So I wanted to mm-hmm. say thank you for that. And then just kind of tell people who you are. And You're welcome. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess, Professionally, my title would be a fitness and wellness coach. Um, I primarily work with clients online in a one-to-one setting, although I'm still doing a little in-person coaching at the moment in uh, Portland, Oregon, where I'm currently residing. Um, Before that, I mean, I was born and raised in northern New Jersey, five minutes from Manhattan, New York. Um, that's where I spent my whole career up to this point, working, um, in a big commercial gym, spent some time starting out as a personal trainer, doing one to one sessions before moving into management and primarily in a like development role. So working on actually developing other coaches to help them do be better at their profession and better work with their clients while also meeting the bottom line of the gym. Yeah. That grows well too. I, I've been in that type of gym environment and I never envied my managers. It always seemed like they were working so hard <laughs> and yeah, it was an interesting environment for sure. What were some, some of the biggest takeaways you had from working in an environment like that? Um, I mean, um, for all the negatives I could give you, I mean, I am grateful for every moment that I had working in an environment like that. Um, I think it, it was put to me really well by a mentor of mine in the industry before I started working. They're the guy that actually pushed me to go work there because I had entertained the idea for a while of like, oh, owning my own brick and mortar. And he's like, come here and make your mistakes in somebody else's dime. That's so le- learn the ropes of the business, make yourself a better coach with less risk on your hands, not having to deal with a lease, overhead space, all those things. Um, it actually helped me realize that I didn't want to own my own brick and mortar in the end. <laughs> I think COVID helps really solidify that. But um, no, it was it was honestly a really great experience because it, it taught me so much more and it made me feel that I had that security and that confidence to go out there and do my own thing and also kind of get a better sense of it's like, what do I not want to do? Mm. So um, like I, I definitely see myself moving more into the, the online space primarily. I, I think I'll always do a little bit of in-person wherever I am, but, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it, just a lot of the travel and stuff I'm doing right now. Obviously it's, it's, it's opened a lot of doors for me to allow me to do more of what I want to do. And I wouldn't have that experience or that perspective had I not spent my time working for somebody else, especially at like a large corporation. 
Yeah, that's that's such a good point, too. And especially going into that online space, it seems like it allows you a lot more flexibility, just kind of how you want to outlay your life. So I do have a question. So you got to kind of deal with people management. What was it like, you know, getting to work with, let's say, 25, 30 other people? What's is there a theme that ties all those people in or is it like there's really a different approach for each person you're encountering? Um. I mean, from a management standpoint, and I'm sure you can relate to this, I, I really don't feel like it's actually that different from running a book of like personal training clients. Like in some ways, everybody's the same. Everybody's problems are kind of similar, yet they just have their own unique context that they bring to the table. Hmm. But in the end, the outcome is roughly in the same ballpark. I mean, you, you don't go into personal training to get rich. Like you can make good money in it. I'm not going to say that you can't. But you don't go into it expecting to get ripped. You would go into banking, like to investment banking or something, especially being in New York. If that's what you want to do, want to get rich faster. Um, but you have a pat. You're doing something out of passion and out of, out of love for the field that you're in. Like that's sure. a common theme between everybody that gets into the space. You want to help people, and you want to help them do something that you are passionate about and experience that for themselves. Make that same positive change. It's just everybody. I think has their own barriers, their own baggage they bring to the table their own obstacles they have to get through, but also their own goals. Like what does the end end place look for them? Are they somebody who just wants, Hey, I just want to work with a couple of people, be able to pay my bills and stuff. Or are they somebody who has aspirations to run a six figure business and continue, continually grow with no real like end or settling point in mind. Right. And it's just helping them figure out like, okay, where are you right now? And what do you need to do to get to your, to your point B? So it's almost kind of like you're removing barriers for people. You're kind of like that sky or that eye in the sky. You can kind of zoom out and help them along the way. I, I think that's a great point you make. And mm-hmm. so you, you left New York and then you've been kind yeah. of nomadic for how long now? It seems, I guess, maybe going on almost a year, right? Coming up on there, we left New York. God, it was like the second week of January this year, I want to say. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's been it's been quite a few months at this point. I, I don't know how much I would call it nomadic. We've only really lived in two places so far. Yeah, um, but I've had the opportunity to kind of visit a lot of other places throughout the process. What would you say? Because it's funny, up until you mentioned Portland, you know, maybe three or four minutes ago, I for some reason I still thought you were in Arizona. So how yeah. have, you enjoyed, have you enjoyed Arizona versus Portland? Um. I think it's a tough comparison to make just because of where I was living in both states. So I guess a little more, more context. My uh, fiance is an occupational therapist. Um, so she's in the medical field. And as some people might be familiar with, with like the idea of travel nursing where nurses do a contract in one place are there for maybe like about 12 weeks to six months. Um, and then they move on somewhere else. That's what she's doing right now, just as an occupational therapist. So that's, how we've been doing this move around the country right now. Um, But so going back to your initial question, I mean, when we were in Arizona, we weren't in a major city by any means. We were Mm. in this small, it's technically a city, didn't feel like a city to me, this place called Yuma, which is um, basically the halfway point. If you're trying to go from Phoenix to San Diego, California, it's about halfway between those two and you would pass along it on your way from one to the other. Interesting. So it's pretty small. Yeah. So it was, it, you know, it's weird. It's, it's technically, I think I heard it like a population of like 90 K or something, but it doesn't oh, feel wow. like that. And it's because it's one, it's a winter bird community. So you have a lot of people from the Midwest 
that fly in there during the winter months because it's actually the sunniest um, city in the country. Oh, wow. That is interesting. Yeah. And yeah then- so during the winter, yes, yeah, so you have all these people that fly in there and then spend the winters there. So the population is really fluctuating. But also because then why I would say it didn't really feel like a city is because the majority of it was trailer parks. Oh, wow. That's it, it, yeah. Once you start to get out like New Mexico, Arizona, it really just mm-hmm. fluctuates how you're going to see like whether it's neighborhoods, houses or trailer parks, kind of like you're mentioning. And now you're, yeah. you're in Portland, which is my cousin lives out there. So I always have a couch to stay out there and old, yeah. an old graduate assistant. So I went to the University of Oklahoma for my undergrad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have an old professor up there that was like a PhD student and I'm going to grab a beer with him when I get up there at some point. Um, but how are you enjoying Portland? It's always been on my list to go to for the hiking and just the scene. It seems beautiful out there. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, it's very, I guess, u- unique, you could say. Like, I feel like every city's got its uniqueness, yet I feel like a lot of cities I've been to are in some way trying to, like, emulate New York City. Mm. Whereas Portland, I feel, is very much kind of being its own place. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely, the, the outdoors, like, that is unreal that's something you don't get up in the the northeast um and just just the way of life it's like it's not it's you get you have a lot of the conveniences of a city without that like intense fast place of somewhere like new york or la might give you definitely has a bit more of that laid-back vibe that i noticed when i was down in like arizona i like that it's definitely again it's it's definitely on a place um where i want to go visit that and like Seattle, Washington, and all that. It mm-hmm. seems really beautiful up there. So I yeah. wanted to ask, I, I know you're a coach and, and you're more in the online space now. How did you kind of get mm-hmm. into to coaching and, and training and how long have you been doing it as well? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so in undergrad, I, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in social work. And my intention while completing that degree was to go on to get my master's in social work and going to clinical social work, psychotherapy mm-hmm. specifically. Um, the um, bachelor's would have allowed me to knock the master's degree down to just an accelerated one-year program. So that was kind of my game plan. But I got to the end of my program and I was just like, it just, I just felt like it wasn't for me. Sure. At least at that time, it wasn't. Like I, I flip-flop majors a lot. So I've been just been in school for five years. Wasn't too keen at the idea of going to school for yet another year. Um, and while I was in college, um, a buddy of mine got, um, got me into powerlifting. I started like lifting weights, like my, like towards the end of my time at high school, continued with it in college, kind of just like aesthetic and health reasons. My buddy got me into powerlifting and kind of just got like bit by the bug, like probably an unhealthy obsession actually. in like looking back at it, um, but it's kind of just like, I couldn't see myself doing something where I wasn't up on my feet and active. And this, this friend of mine, he was the one who got me into Equinox, um, the gym I was working at in New York. And he, um, I, I saw him coaching people. And as a, as a coach, I was kind of like, wow, this is kind of like a cool intersection in like what I wanted to do as a clinical social worker, working with people in that one-on-one setting and helping them like create some positive change in their life and using fitness as a medium to make that happen. I think that's a good distinction that you made and how you kind of connected those two, because one of my follow-up questions was how social work, just your background in it, 
maybe how did that impact your communication when you started to have clients? Were you just more empathetic or what was your approach mm -hmm. like? Yeah, it definitely played a big role. I think it took me some time still to further connect those dots. And I feel like it's kind of hasn't really been actually until probably more recently in my career that I fully connected a lot of those and put those pieces together. But um, really taking kind of like a more holistic wellness-based model in my practice and recognizing that really it's not just about, okay, lift some weights, eat some protein and make some gains. It's like, there are so many different dimensions to people, so many different factors influencing their outcomes. And mm -hmm. we really have to look at both the person internally and externally. So like mentally, what have, how are they raised? How are they developed? What do they bring to the table right now? Like what has led them to be the person they are today? And also looking externally to their environment and what influence that plays on things. Yeah, no, that's such a, a great point. And I wish, I wish more coaches could maybe make that connection because, you know, I've seen it or I see, you know, on social media, but it's always like a very dogmatic belief of like exercise this exercise that, which is part of the, the plan. But a lot of people think it's the only piece of, of the pie. And, you know, yeah. I, have a, I have a nutrition coach right now and I, I love her and she's super great. And she really hammers me with like the sleep and the, the water and all these habit building. And, and I love it because, you know, from my environment where I grew up, you know, I didn't really grow up with much. So it was lots of fast food lots of Debbie snacks. And it's not because, mm -hmm. you know, my parents liked feeding me that stuff. One, they didn't know there's a knowledge gap, but two, it's all you could afford. Yeah. Right. You know, you got like yeah, a, sure. a piece of bread. So now when I have these cravings for fast food and it really takes me as an adult, I have to take time and be conscious to kind of say, no, it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think on the flip side, it's like, I have to I had to check myself a lot earlier on in my career because I was fortunate to come from a household where my, my parents were both very health literate, very health conscious. So it's like we were eating whole wheat bread instead of white bread, brown yeah. rice instead of white rice. Like we had vegetables at every meal. Yeah. Um, and so it's, and we like almost never, like it was a big deal when we got to go out for like fast food, like Wendy's or something like that. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like, I, I never, I grew up with looking at a lot of these things as like the <laughs> exception rather than the norm. And I, I, I don't know, I'm, this is just kind of my, like speaking anecdotally, I don't have anything to back this up, but I imagine on some level, probably it really affects our wiring and our, our cravings and stuff. Like, Oh yeah. If that's not something that you're used to having, it's not going to have the same effect on you as somebody where it's like, this is your baseline and this is what you're used to. Absolutely. And, and again, I, I love the point that you make where there's, you said there's just so many variables or things that can kind of dictate how someone behaves or, or, or what they want. And I'll, I'll always remember it. I was in grad school and I had a part-time job and two of my coworkers, one was like a CrossFit coach and the other was like, I guess, an influencer in, in training or health and wellness. And yeah. they, they couldn't understand the concept of being, you know, obese at a young age. Like they, they were like, why, why are they like that already? Like, kind of scoffing at it mm -hmm. and I brought up like food deserts and accessibility to to yeah you know and, and they were like that doesn't exist and it was just like no it, it's a real thing so it's kind of sad to yeah. see people that are in this space and should be a little more aware and they're kind of negligent to it yeah yeah I, I think that's tough though it's it's kind of like you don't understand something until you are kind of exposed to it or you kind of have to broaden broaden your kind of your reach and your your worldview yeah and it's, it's tough because it's like you're never going to be able to understand or account for everything 
but I think when you can just kind of approach things with kind of just like a very open growth focused mindset, you can then start to appreciate people and, and their stories a lot yeah, more. I, I couldn't agree more. So I wanted to ask you, you've done a lot of in-person training um, mm-hmm. and now you're, you're doing online training. So it sounds like you're very versed in that world. What do you prefer more of and what are some of the reasons as well? Um, it's a very good question. Personally, I prefer the online space. Um, just in that it, in ways it creates what I think is actually a more sustainable model, both on the coaches and, and the clients then. I mean, speaking from the coach, like it's allowed me to live the lifestyle I did. I've wanted to travel, get out and explore more of the world for years, but then being physically tied down to one location and picking up and moving would have meant starting over from scratch every time. It's afforded me to kind of take my business wherever I go, work wherever I want to. Um, but as I said, I think it's also benefits the client in that regard, because really, I believe as coaches, our goal with our clients is for them to eventually not need us. Yes. Because what we do, it's not just about, and again, it's not to fault these people that work with trainers for the rest of their lives, because I think it's, hey, if that's what you want, that's totally fine. You've identified who you are and who you want to be. And you just want to be that person who has somebody there to motivate them and hold them accountable all the time. But for most of my clients, what I'm looking to do is really help them build up a skill set, improve their education and improve their self-awareness so that they can self-manage and self-regulate moving forward. And eventually, ideally not need me to be there to come check them on everything. And so I, I find that it's, it's kind of like people are kind of forced to be a little more self-sufficient when they're working with somebody remotely rather than meeting in person mm. for training sessions. Because it's like just by nature, and there are some people that I do do kind of full on virtual personal training with, but typically with most of my online clients, it's more of a coaching model where maybe we'll meet for some workouts here and there, but a lot more of our interaction is more us sitting down and talking and talking through their challenges, their experiences over the past Ooh. week. All right. And I got, that's, I yeah. have so many follow-ups to that. That's, yeah, that's so, that's so cool to me. First off, your beard is great, man. That's, do you have any, uh, thank you. Have you always had a great beard or is it just natural? I, I, I'm very fortunate. My dad blessed me in the genetics of that. <laughs> yeah, it's just really cool. It's great. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then, and then secondly is now I I'm really getting a grasp or a visualization of, of what your, your model looks like for, for coaching. Yeah. Cause when I, when I speak of in-person or online, I'm thinking one-on-one training and you're yeah. over here kind of, yeah, I do that, but I also sit down and I talk with people and that's where I see that tie-in of social work. So I think that's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. It's been cool. Cause it's like, I needed some time away from that to kind of see the other side of things and just purely focusing on the training session session, like end of it. And then to realize that, Hey, that alone is not enough because if I'm seeing somebody two, three hours a week, what are they doing the rest of the time that they're Mm -hmm. not with me and having me there in person. And I think this is kind of what I was getting at is why I see it's kind of one of the drawbacks to traditional personal training. And I don't think it's a fault of anybody. I think you could definitely replicate this model in person. And I do think there is a certain level like element of human connection that you don't get online versus in person. But I think kind of unintentionally, a lot of people look at in-person training and immediately just associate it with, okay, I'm going to meet with my trainer and we're going to work out. Yes. And so trying to 
then say, no, we're actually for this session this time, we're going to sit down and talk for an hour when they're like, but I came in to work out. It's a tough thing for people to grasp. And I think, especially if you're working at a place like, like a big box commercial gym, where that's just their business model and that's how they market things as workout sessions, it's tough to really sell people the idea of talking to you in a coaching conversation setting. Yeah, and, and now that you, you mention it, again, it's nice to have this perspective because it's not really a model I've been aware of or have really thought about, but in my opinion, it would almost seem like your model is more conducive as opposed to a traditional you know, gym training model where you come in, you get trained two to three times a week, but what about the, the other, I don't know, 100 hours in the week that you're not training, right? And I, yeah. I think is your viewpoint that, hey, the other the hours you're not with me working out per se are just as important. Absolutely. Yeah, they are. I mean, looking at what you eat, where else are you finding movement in your day? Like how active are you in the other areas of your day? How are you sleeping? How are you recovering? How are your social relationships? Like, are you making time for those things? Are you balancing your career appropriately with your fitness as well, too? Are you the person who is like, again, because it's just if you're only if you're only getting exercise and activity those times you come to see me, that's probably not going to be enough in the grand scheme of things. Right. Not to mention too, just even from a scheduling standpoint, let's say this week we can only get two sessions in instead of three because our schedules just don't line up. Does that mean you're not going to get that third <laughs> workout in this week? And that's where it's kind of like, in some ways it's kind of like kicking people into the deep end when they have to, when they're working online. It's like, well, the norm is for you to actually go and work out on your own versus having me there watching the whole time. And I, it, it built, I find that it just builds up a lot more autonomy and a, a lot more self-confidence in that, hey, I don't need my coach there watching my every move yeah. while this is going on. I, I, like I can it. get to these workouts myself safely and effectively. Interesting. I, I love it. And something that I've admired about you in the, you know, the past year, I, I've been you know, following you on Instagram and just looking at what you're up to is you seem very meticulous in your approach to things, whether that's programming, exercise selection, but also how you set up the framework of your business. Um, I like that you explore different things and, and you make changes on the fly. It's something I definitely notice. Um, and what's it been like to come up with a model for, you know, like how to pricing and things like that? Was Is that hard to navigate considering it sounds like you're doing something that most people don't do. So what's it been like to go mm -hmm. into that foray and kind of create your own niche? Honestly, it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's, it's yeah. really kind of just constantly in motion. Like if we're to talk in the back end pricing and stuff, like I've kind of set some kind of structure around that and been sticking with that, but what the actual service looks like and what the model looks like is constantly evolving. And it really just comes down to what am I seeing there? Like testing stuff out, how does it go? And then going back to the drawing board and constantly refining it. Because I just think you're never going to, just with anything in life, like this isn't just forming a business model or anything. It's just like nothing should, should stay stagnant. Things should constantly be changing and evolving and improving over time and learning from experience. So I don't know. It feels like I've, it feels like I haven't nailed anything. Like I still constantly feel like I'm just starting out. And yet in some ways it's like, I'm, I'm really just building on what I've already done. Yeah. I, I could see why you would think that, but you know, from what I see, it's like, man, this guy's continually like refining his process. And I, I think that's something that I would, you know, I would pay for. I'm like, that's attractive to me as a consumer. It's like, this guy's always working towards something and just making, you know, 
what he, what he assumes to be as the perfect product over time. Would you say that having your, your management experience that up in New York allowed you to get an inside look at setting up, you know, like financials and budgeting, and that's kind of helped you in your skill set of creating that for your own business? You know, I would say it's actually helped less than you would think it would be. <laughs> and I think it's just, it's just a, a result of just the gym that I happened to work for and kind of what that management role looked like in that kind of a lot of the like budgeting and stuff was handled externally. It was kind of just, we were handed a, a spreadsheet and said, Hey, here's the numbers now go make them happen. So I wasn't as responsible and I was, and I wasn't responsible to think about things like, okay, overhead of the gym. Like that wasn't me. I was just purely responsible for, okay, we've got, we need to put on this many sales this month, mm. or we need to do this many sessions this month. So mm. I didn't really have to look at things in that sense, but I would say it's helped me with looking at a lot of kind of just the different drivers. I think it's helped me better understand kind of the value of time and like, what are, what are you, what is your hourly worth and what different ways can you kind of grow and scale a business mm. besides just doing more and more and more. It's like, whether that's, increasing your costs or finding ways to generate more passive income yes. or automate more of your processes and your systems so that you're freeing up time for you to do things while still increasing revenue. I think this is, I love this talk already. I'm, I'm really intrigued so far. And so yeah. <laughs> what was your role in that, the capacity at the other gym? Were you the, were you the personal training manager or the, the fitness manager? Because at, when I worked there, I never really knew the difference between the two like there wasn't a huge yeah. distinction for me to be like why is there two positions for this absolutely absolutely um <clears throat> it was, there was definitely a lot of gray in what the <laughs> distinction was between those two positions typically the personal training manager was the more senior of the two the fitness manager was a more junior but I, I always thought that wasn't a very fair distinction because in some ways what they were intended as was two different roles so the personal training manager which i was not um was looking at the personal training department and business from more of a macro level. So they were the ones typically taking the budget and saying, okay, we need to do this many sessions and kind of keeping a bird's eye view of like, okay, if this person adds another five sessions here and this guy adds another one, we're going to like build up to that budget and to that goal. Whereas the fitness manager I was, was kind of more of the learning and development manager. Mm -hmm. So my role, I mean, again, the ultimate intended outcome was to drive business and support the budgets that the personal training manager was keeping an eye on. But I was doing that by working more one-on-one -on -one individually with the coaches on the team right. and helping them develop them, themselves up, whether that's both from like an actual um, technical skill set of like how to write a training program, how to coach exercises how to have coaching conversations with their clients around things like nutrition and sleep, and also giving them business skills as well. So like all the new hire onboarding, I was responsible for that. I was doing all the in-house education for our staff as well and doing those things, but looking at it from the perspective, on my end at least, of okay, this should yield further sales, which in turn should yield more clients, which in turn will yield more sessions yeah, for the department. So the way you kind of viewed it was due to increased, you know, just training IQ, whether that's programming, business building, all of these derivatives can be attributed to an increase in sales, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. But 
Mm-hmm. Let's, let's say you were tasked with the same, you had to do the same thing right now, but just for your own business, would you think you're, yeah. would you say your approach would be the same or would it be completely different because it's your business? Because it that's, sounds that's like a really like, great question. It sounds like a lot of consulting work that, you know, yeah. out, of, out of network, you're making a lot of money for consulting. Yeah, absolutely. It, that, that's a really good question, man. Um, I think I would do it differently in some ways. Um, and this isn't so much a uh, reality of just kind of, I, I think it's just it, contextually, I'm in a very different place running this business. Like, yes, my goal is eventually to need to bring on more coaches because we have such a high volume of clients to work with. And we just need more people to kind of take that work on. And I would like to move to a role where I'm responsible for the development of those coaches. But as to what that would look like, yeah, I think I would definitely, and then this is a tricky part, I think with any business is that you do have a bottom line at the end of the day, like the business does need to generate money. Um, It's just, there's so many kind of intangible or difficult to measure things that contribute to that success and that growth. Like just a matter of like, like, are your employees happy? Are they feeling fulfilled at work? If they are, how is that going to like knowledge base aside, how is that going to impact the interactions that they're having with their clients? Sure. If they're bringing more positive energy into those interactions, I imagine that's probably going to result in better client retention, better client retention is healthy for the business. But it's like, how do you measure the happiness of your employees objectively it's such like this like vague and intangible thing yeah at the end of the day it's like you can't put a number on that you can't quantify that per yeah, se that's, that's tough that's that's yeah an interesting point and so this i, I kind of want to transition a little bit it seems like a perfect segue into this question but yeah what are the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur like you you run a business man so what are some of the highs mm-hmm. and what are some of the lows because i know for sure i have some highs and lows highs are you know great flexibility in my schedule and then lows mm-hmm. or man, that fluctuating income is, it kind of sucks here and there. Yeah. I, I don't want to like cop out, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't want to like cop out of my answer here, but in some ways kind of the highs and the lows are the same. Like You're it's really out. just all, it's, it's all contextual, man. I mean, but I think it's just, it's going to be my answer to a lot of stuff is it, it, it nothing matters about context. So, I mean, for example, like, like who is the individual who is the entrepreneur? If you're somebody that is highly organized and detail-oriented and very structured in your scheduling, that flexibility could be wonderful because you can fill that space however you want. If you're somebody who kind of, and I'll admit this is me, like I get, get, get like, like shiny object syndrome, like I'm jumping from one thing to the next and it's like an idea pops in my head and I have to run with it right then and there. Otherwise, it, it floats away from me. And so it can be kind of a challenge to get things done and stay on task when you just have almost like too much free time on mm-hmm. your hands in a way. Um, and you have no accountability. Like you're just, you're responsible for yourself. Yeah. Some people, it's nice to not have a manager on top of you um, breathing down your neck, but <laughs> sometimes you need that to get yourself moving and keep yourself on task. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. It's again, I, I like working for myself, but at sometimes. I do crave more of like a structure or like a rigid income that I know is coming in. Even if, you know, I have a manager over me. I, for me, I would say that's a worthy sacrifice. Uh, Plus I I like collaborating a lot. And I think a big piece of starting this podcast was, well, I'll get to talk to a lot of people now and I'll get to 
learn things from other people. So that's kind of like a benefit mm-hmm. of starting this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it comes back to, I was listening to, um, it's actually a real estate focused podcast the other day. Um, and they were talking about what they called the W2 mentality as in like your W2 form that you sign when you're working a nine to five job. Um, and that most of society were really conditioned to just go work for somebody else, work for a company, have your W2, have your guaranteed income. And within that, you're kind of just, you're given so much structure. That's not a bad thing. I think you can be plenty happy with that. You can be plenty fulfilled. I know I was for a while. Um, but then when you kind of sever all that and go to work for yourself, it's like, what do I do right now? Like, sure, I might be great coaching people in the context of, and building business in the context of a gym where, hey, I don't need to go fishing for leads myself. Like my manager gets a list of new members that signed up for the gym and there's my next client yeah, right there. And I can do a great job closing that client. But now what do you do when you're just completely on your own? You have to generate, you have to walk people through the door yourself. Like that's a whole other yeah, skill set to take on now. It's like you're doing it all. And again, I, I was, I recorded a podcast this morning and I mentioned this little anecdote, but last week I interviewed an artist. And so she's been doing it since March full time, just for herself. You know, she's selling her art. She does commission stuff like that. It's an amazing mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. but she was like, I went to school for business. Like I have a, bachelor's in business and it taught me nothing about running my own business and Mm -hmm. to your point it is kind of like it seems like some of schooling it kind of places an emphasis on just graduating and getting a job in the system as opposed to all right this is your the experience you accrued go work for yourself now so it's really hard to navigate yeah definitely definitely I think I think everybody I don't know and this is my bias but I think everybody should spend some time like I said earlier in the in the show like working for somebody else because you gain so much valuable perspective on that. Just don't think just because you're successful working for somebody else, it's going to like lead to this poof, like perfect smooth transition working for yourself afterwards, because you realize when you are working for yourself, there's so many more hats you have to wear right now. And a lot of them probably ones you've never had to wear before or weren't even aware you were going to have to. Yeah, no. And it's a good point too. And you know, I was at my gym, this was my first job out of grad school, and I was there probably a year and a half. And I knew, gosh, within four or five months, I didn't want to be there like long term, but I kind of stuck it out. But now on the other end of working there, I figured out what I really value is is skill development and skill acquisition, like I'm a fiend for learning things. And so it was -hmm. was a good identifier to kind of identify, well, I might not be getting the most of this, it's time to go on. And now I'm in this like running my own business thing, but I'm learning a lot. And that's what matters to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you, you mentioned passive income earlier. And so what are your offerings, I guess, as a coach? Like you, you do some in-person training, which I assume is pretty limited. Then you do online mm-hmm. talks with your clients. What else do you do online programming as well? Yeah. So basically, um, I look at my services kind of on like a tiered system and it kind of just depends on what one like budget wise, obviously is a big determinant, but also what experience somebody's bringing to the table. Hmm. So kind of just looking from like as hands off as possible to as hands on as possible. So on the like most hands on end of the spectrum, I've got people that I'm doing basically almost as close of like a replication to the in-person training experience. Like we're meeting for, 
virtual PT multiple times a week, coaching them through each workout. And in addition to that, doing some of those coaching conversations where we're talking on things like the nutrition, sleep, and so forth. And this is typically going to be somebody who either just needs that degree of accountability, Mm -hmm. knowing who they are, or is very new to this whole thing and just needs that guidance right now. And then as you go kind of down through the tiers in um, like price-wise in my service, it starts to get less and less hands-on where we're doing less virtual personal training. And if we have fewer hours together for months to work together, it moves more into that coaching aspect where a lot more of our time is spent um, talking through those other things like their nutrition, their sleep, but also again, since they're doing more of their working out on their own. Okay. So how is that going? What obstacles, what challenges are you facing? All the way down to the person who is more just, hey, I just need a program. I need a plan to follow. Give me that. And I'll check in with you in a month when I need some updates <laughs> to my plan kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. It's different offerings for depending on where you're at in your journey. And I know exactly mm-hmm. what you mean by that. I have a couple, a couple of remote clients and I wish they would take more advantage of me. Like I check in adequately and I, I want them to send me videos, but I've noticed a lot of the time they just want their program. And then at the end of the month, they're like, Hey, where's the new program at? Like, that's a lot of people mm-hmm. are like that for me again. And I, and I try to tinker with it, like reaching out a little more, but you know, they're yeah. like, I think I'm good on sending you videos, man. <laughs> yeah. I, but I think it's the thing is it's like when it, when it grow, when you, when what you're working on with people is beyond just the exercise. Cause I spent some time also I've done online coaching. I did it a few years back. I actually ran like a small powerlifting team. New York, New York, New Jersey area. Um, and those people, it was all um, just like straight programming and yeah. like feedback, like technique feedback. And it's like at a certain point, like your squat looks fine. Your deadlift looks <laughs> fine. Like you don't need that much more coaching. And that's not really the obstacle to your further success and further progress. Yeah, It's sustaining your habits and building better mm. habits and being able to troubleshoot any challenges as they come up. And being able to articulate that to somebody and why that's what they really need is what I found to really create buy-in for those coaching conversations. So it's not just a, Hey, I'll see you in a month. And, and I, I, I do offer that service because there are people who it's just, that's where they're at. That's what they need. Yeah. I know for myself, I mean, I, I constantly am like working with coaches myself because I just want to like turn off my thinking brain when it comes to my own training, just give me a plan to follow. <laughs> I want to save my brain power for working with my people. Sure. Um, but most people, again, I, I recognize, I think us being coaches in the industry, we're honestly the weirdos in everything. Most people don't have a, like get a kick out of working out. Most people don't religiously eat chicken and broccoli for every meal, you know, if, if need be or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. That's such so, a, yeah, I, I just my, my point is just that a lot of people need kind of that, that guidance. They need somebody to help them identify and recognize these things and learn how to navigate their challenges as they come up. Do you think at some point you'll create, um, gosh, like a PDF program where people can just buy it, you know, whether you're asleep or, you know, instead of buying like a monthly program from you, mm-hmm. it'd be like, hey, here's a 12 week muscle building program or want to lean out here's considerations and a good template to kind of start that journey yeah that is something that um we're working on um right now in building some more passive models right now um one thing we're definitely looking to do is utilize something like the train heroic marketplace where Mm -hmm. it's a like regularly updated program 
that people can join just as like a group and everybody's yeah. writing the same thing. Um, that's cool. And, and then that'll happen eventually. I'd say it's not the, the top priority or focus of the business right now. And so perfect segue, literally, you mentioned we. So who's this other person and what's this company? Yeah, definitely. So um, my business partner is my friend, Ken. He also worked at the, uh, the big box gym in New York as well. <laughs> um, that's how we got to know each other. He was also uh, started as a coach, eventually moved into management. And um, we actually both kind of left New York and left the in-person space in January, like right around the same time. Where did he um, go? Didn't start. He is in Texas as well right now, actually. He's currently in San Antonio. Um, bought, bought a house in Austin that's being built right now. So once that's complete, he's moving there. He, you know I'm in Austin, right? I thought you were in Houston for some reason. No, so no, if you ever come down and stay with him, uh, hit me up. We'll go for a beer and uh, we'll get a, a lift in. I live in Austin, man. Oh, I, I was actually just in San Antonio two weeks ago because oh, cool. it's two weeks ago. God, I'm like losing track of the time. Yeah, I think it was two weeks ago because we were um, doing a big shoot to kind of start building out some content and stuff. So. Yeah, your photo shoot. I remember. How'd that go? Mm-hmm. That was good, man. It was really good. Got a lot of good stuff out of it. Also learned a lot from it, having not done <laughs> any like kind of professional grade shooting before. So that was, that was a really good experience. I mean, yeah, unfortunately I wouldn't have had time to meet up probably. It was like off the plane, yeah, straight to filming. I think we, we left his apartment complex one time over the span of four days just to like wow. go get some food the last night, like at a restaurant instead of eating That's in the apartment. But yeah. I, I assume with him moving out here to Austin, you'll be out here. But um, yeah, that's a connection. Yeah. You'll have to connect me with him because I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a big person in Austin at all. But what I do have is quite a bit of connections just through my experience here. And especially at Lululemon, man, you get to meet a lot of ambassadors that have run clubs, yeah. CrossFit gyms. So you, whatever you need, let me know and I could work on it. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I'll definitely connect you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Ken and I, we're both kind of doing our own thing in the online coaching space. And then ended up deciding, like talking and deciding to kind of merge, join forces back in, I want to say this was like March or April, maybe, that we made the move. Um, so our brand, it's called Live Limitless. Mm. And the whole idea behind it is really just helping people to recognize their full potential to live a limitless life. Um and we do that through a wellness-based model. So as we were kind of talking a bit before about recognizing that there, people have all these different dimensions to their lives. A lot of coaches focus so much just on the physical component of it. Yes. So the exercise, the diet, losing weight, building muscle, so forth. And that's an incredibly important piece. But I mean, even within finding success in that area, that is the primary goal, the primary motivation, there are still so many other factors we have to consider. Um, the mental mental aspect of it. And I, and I think it is great that we're seeing more and more people talk openly about this and feel comfortable yeah. talking about mental health, mental well-being openly and taking it into consideration. But other things too, like your social relationships. So are you, how, do you have social wellness? Do you have friends? Do you have people you're interacting with? It's something that we, we're social creatures and we need it. Um, how are your like relationships? Do you have a spouse? Do you have a partner? Are you spending time with your family, your loved ones? Um, your occupation. So how does your career fit into that? Where are you finding fulfillment in life? 
And so um, do, you, do you just walk people through kind of like certain key aspects of their life and kind of help them unravel things? Um, because I, I love the model and everything that you do. How do you find yourself not, you know, inadvertently maybe becoming someone's therapist where they're just dumping things on you? And then you're like, absolutely. well, that's that might not be pertinent to the hour at the moment or I'm not equipped to handle that. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a great question. It really comes down to, and this is kind of, what are getting back to what our model actually is that's kind of more from a like theoretical or like a philosophical standpoint that's how we view things but at the end of the day we are primarily fitness coaches mm. and so it's really looking at helping people create this change and using fitness as kind of the the inlet to start working on that mm. because as you start to recognize as i said before i mean like there's so many environmental factors that could influence your your physical health but vice versa, the skills that are kind of required to find success in something like fitness are going to translate over to other areas, whether that's having the time management skills to make sure, okay, I have this workout that needs to happen. It needs to happen this many times per week and budgeting your time, planning and managing that. I need to make sure that I have groceries. I have fresh fruit and like vegetables available to eat Yeah, and doing that as well as just on the other end of like being in tune and aware of your body because obviously training at the end of the day is a stressor on the system. So we need to be recovering from that. So how are you sleeping? What are you doing to unwind and relax? Are you finding time for that? Because if you're getting crushed at your job, you're getting crushed in the gym and you're taking no time to rest and relax and recover, you're just burning the candle at both ends. Same. So it's really like you can't work on one thing without working on the other. You're speaking my language here. It's, it's definitely a holistic approach. And I love that. And again, I think when I look at your model and what you're doing, it really impacts me because here in Austin, I, I see a lot of people attempting to do what you're doing without the mm-hmm. model or the thought process or that, that meticulous approach that you have of trial and error, but really making sure you have something down pat before you're kind of like charging people money. I see a lot of people doing uh, interesting things for a lot of money, you know, and it's just interesting. I really like this model, but again, and you even have that social work background. So you do understand models of behavior change and things like that. So I I love that, that kind of thing you're, you're getting to go. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate that. And I mean, yeah, the goal, like I said, right now we're primarily fitness focused and kind of just using that as, kind of the the inlet to start having these conversations and start helping people create this change all the plan in the long run is to pursue further education in um more like lifestyle and wellness focused coaching so that we actually are qualified and feel like it's appropriate for us to start coaching more on some of those other things outside of the more fitness specific space yeah and and again i what you just said, I feel like it's honoring the art of, of working with someone as opposed to, you know, I'm a trainer, but at night I'm putting on this other hat and I'm kind of posing as a therapist or I'm posing as a spirit yeah. healer. And it's like, man, like just yesterday, you only did training. So how did you learn this in one day and yeah. now charging people $800 <laughs> for this? But again, um, that's the market. And, you know, some people got to do what they got to do, but I want to, I want to yeah. pivot a little bit. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on social media? Because we, we've spoken about this a little bit briefly, but I'm not the biggest proponent of social media in terms of getting business. I, I find that I don't like being inundated with lots of social media all the time. But right now in this day and age, it almost seems like you 
kind of have to. I'm not I'm not sure. What's your your thought on social media like Instagram, TikTok, things like that? Yeah, for sure. It's it I don't think any of these things are inherently bad. I think it's how you use these platforms and these spaces. And unfortunately, yes, they are in some ways designed to keep you on, keep you active, keep you engaged on the platform. And for some people, that can create some very unhealthy patterns, behaviors, mindsets. I think from a, a business standpoint and using it to grow and scale your business, it's just a matter of finding the platform that you you enjoy the most and feel you can have the healthiest balance with. I, I know for myself, I mean, even just talking just from like a content creation standpoint too, I'm not the most visually creative person if I'm being honest. I, I don't feel too comfortable in front of a camera. I don't like doing the little TikTok dances, pointing up and down around the screen. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, and again, these are some things I could learn obviously too, but like camera skills, like I, I don't know the first thing about using a camera, like some, you can give a professional videographer an iPhone and they'll make it look 10 times better than I could with a $4,000 4k camera. So it's just, I, I'm I, like, visually, I'm not the most creative person, but writing, I, I love writing. I, I genuinely enjoy the process of writing. And so I kind of realized like, hey, I don't need to use Instagram. Like, yes, everybody's on Instagram, but like I'm, I'm actually getting started right now. I just started blogging on Medium a couple of weeks ago. Medium's great. And it's, yeah, and at the end of the day, it's, hey, Medium is actually a social network and it's a way to get out there and get your, your, your message in front of people. It's just a matter of being open-minded, being creative and recognizing there's, not, there's no one way to build a business. There's people that built the business purely by in-person networking, just as there's people that have built the business purely through Instagram or purely through paid advertising or Google SEO. There's, there's just, there's no one way to do it. So just find what allows you to live the lifestyle, feel healthy and happy in what you're doing and feel fulfilled in the way you're going about it. I really like that you mentioned that too, because I may, I may only think that Instagram and TikTok and these other mediums that I don't rather enjoy are the only way, but I also could zoom out. And then, you know, I see 30 other mediums to, to send out my message and, and blogging is great. I think in the height of quarantine last year, I was writing on medium. I had maybe five or six articles. And uh, at that point I really wanted to write for what's that blog site. Um, furthermore, I wanted to write for furthermore. Mm, um, because gotcha. I, I as well, I love writing it. It's something I picked up in grad school just through research and, it's so liberating and fun to just kind of let your, your, you know, words go to work. I it's, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, just because some, everybody else is doing something doesn't mean it's the only way to go about it. Yeah. And I've noticed too, what allows people to really be successful is just that compound interest of being consistent over time. So, you know, with this mm -hmm. podcast, you know, maybe in a year, maybe a hundred people listen as opposed to nine people or something, or just my mom. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Shout out to my mom. She's my main reader on Medium right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you think um, through blogging, do you think you'll ever start like a, a podcast or, you know, you and Ken would start like a join one? Like I know one of my, mm -hmm. I really enjoy Eric Helms and Omar Isaf and they started. Oh, love Iron Culture, man. Yeah, Listen they started Iron Culture. Yeah. They're great guys. Um, you know, one of the first guy I interviewed on this podcast went to Auckland. And so he actually knows Eric. Oh, okay friends with Eric Helms. And I'm like, damn, that's so cool to me. That's awesome, man. You got to get Eric on the podcast now. Yeah. I'll have to hit him up. I know um, <laughs> I've reached out to some people and they've said yes already, which has me pretty excited considering like 
Nice. I don't have, I don't even have 20 podcasts yet. And it, I, I haven't even released one. Like it's not a big deal or anything. It's just nice. Yeah. Support, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that is something we discussed and we plan to do at some point is to start doing podcasts. Um, I think it's just been more an idea so far. We haven't discussed when that's happening, but I will let you know when it is and we'll have to have you on as a guest. Please. Yeah. Cause it, it seems like it would be a great medium for you considering the limited screen time as well as now you can just talk about your knowledge and, and close those knowledge gaps without having to, you know, I don't like being in front of a camera. I don't like it at all. So I can't imagine what you felt during that professional shoot. Yeah, definitely, man. It, it took a lot of takes. <laughs> That's what I'll say. <laughs> I wanted to ask about Ken, your, your business partner with Live Limitless. Yeah. What is his role? So I know that you do the coaching, um, whether that's, you know, like in an online capacity, but is he doing the same type of model or is he more like training? Yeah. So we're both doing coaching. So it's really just kind of um, on the front end of things and the client facing side of things, we're both doing the same thing. We're both working with coaching. It's more on the back end and what we're kind of doing from the standpoint of growing the business. Ken is what I would describe as really the, the visionary behind the whole thing. Like he, he has this like grand plan and really can like really look into the future and see like, Hey, here's what we're doing. Like, like here's where we are. Here's where I want us to get to. And I look at myself kind of as more of the creative. I'm very good at taking what he says and actually being able to communicate it back out to the, to the audience out there and help people see that. I love that. Would you say that you kind of sift through maybe some of the jargon and then you conceptualize it in like a real action plan? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely kind of the dynamic we have. It's kind of we both bring some different to the table in, in that regard. That's so cool. Um, and it's also, I think, special that you were able to find that person that has is open to the same ideology and thought process you have in it in terms of your approach to health and wellness. I think that's very special and I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely, man. It's no, I'm I'm very grateful. I mean, I really think I have to attribute a lot of my success and where I've gotten to today just by sheer dumb luck of some of the people that I've had the chance to meet and work with and just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And and to to take that even further, to attribute some of your success to finding out what you don't like. I think, but that starts with taking chances and taking on roles. Um, so that again, at the end of the day, you're kind of whittling down the approach that you want to take in your own life. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's, it's just a constant process of refinement. You're never going to get it right. Yeah. So we got two questions left for the day, man. Time flies when you're having All fun. Right. Um, I know. <laughs> if you had a podcast, which it sounds like you and Ken are going to have one in the future, who would be like the first company you wish would come to you and be like, we want to sponsor y'all's awesome podcast? Hmm. That is a great question. Is it some beard oil company? <laughs> that, that would be cool. I don't know if that would totally line up with the brand, but that would be cool. Oh, man, you are, you're stumping me a little bit here. I can say it probably would not be a supplement brand. I don't know. <laughs> that, just, that just doesn't jive with me. I think, I think you know, it would be cool Like if, if Tesla could like sponsor our podcast. That I like would be that. so dope. <laughs> yeah. They have been, I think, on the on the business side of things, um, definitely been a big inspiration in kind of how we've structured some things and cool. kind of looked at like our, our longer term vision for the company. 
again, I, I think that's cool. You're looking to a different industry to kind of tailor your approach. And then again, you make it your own through refinement. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And so last question of the day is what, it, what inspires you, whether it's your work one-on-one with your clients um, or it's something that you see in other people that you're like, I find that inspiring. I want to start to implement that into my approach. Absolutely. I mean, so much, man, so much inspires me. Just, I mean, having this podcast right now and having this conversation like this, this inspires me and just getting to have conversations like this with other people, whether that's professionals, whether that's clients, whether that's just some person that I'm talking to at a bar that, that just inspires me is just to kind of get to learn about other people, learn about their experiences, their successes, their challenges just have my mind open to more things and just kind of like you said before, you love learning. I, I love learning too. And I just kind of not get too deep here. Like I, it's really kind of just my philosophy. I'm like, what is the meaning of life? Or at least my life is just to experience as much as I can of what the world has to offer and as much of the kind of human condition as possible. Yeah. I I'd love that. And again, I think we're both on that train of ever forward, ever growing. And so I, I'm going to come out with the cover art for my podcast soon, but it's basically a silhouette of me and then out of my head are plants growing. And really what, oh, that, nice. what that signifies is ever, ever growing. Like I'm always growing. So I, I love that you mentioned that, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Sam, thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And I'd, I'd love to have you on at some other point. Maybe you and Ken, we can do like, a, you know, a, have three people on or something. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. Definitely love to make that happen. And thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in for another episode. And we'll see you at the next one.